Um, and today we're going to be answering the following question. The wood wide web, the trees, plants and fungi have a social network. And this has a, the potential to be a heated debate because there are a few factors here that may be contentious in the scientific community. So the first question we're going to go with is what do we define as communication between trees, plants and fungi? Yeah, uh, I suppose if we're thinking about communication, we're thinking about passing information from what if it's ourselves, it's from one person to another, and being able to see some kind of processing and actions or results from as a as a result of that communication. So for plants, plants are quite different than us, obviously. So we maybe have to open our minds slightly about the the different types of communication that there may be um, because sometimes very simple communications can be very powerful um, so yeah we know that uh, plants signal to insects that that um, that they have nectar they have the flowers that you can see that the insects will be attracted to plants and the plants will get the advantage of fertilizing the uh, flowers and, and, and so on and continuing the, uh, the, the propagation and the release of uh, seeds into the environment and, and so on. So communication though of between plants, insects and fungi as well, that's a bit, that's really what we're wanting to get down to, to here. So uh, marching in terms of communication methods, we're looking at airborne, soil, and potentially one other one, but um, well, we'll yeah, bring I mean, that in, in a moment. Yeah, so uh, you know, airborne, absolutely. So there are various volatile compounds which may be released from plants, uh, from leaves, uh, and um, uh, in terms of of um, chemical communication, you're, you're talking about uh, release of um, chemicals uh, that may be slightly less volatile. They may be um, present in water, for example, so you may have a bit of forest which releases something into the groundwater, which then is spread a bit further out and influences other uh, plants. So for airborne uh, communication, that would typically be more, you know, more to do with plants communicating with insects, um, whereas through the soil that would be linked more to plants via these root uh, and fungal networks through to other trees. So that would be the two. That would be the two main forms of communication. So I can get on board with the um, chemical compounds being released from the surface of leaves or from the flowers on the plants the single insects. Um, the thing I struggle with is chemical compounds being perceived by other plants that lead to changes in behavior of plants around them. That's the thing I, I struggle with. There's definitely evidence to suggest, and we, we will put some references into um, the little blurb with this po podcast so you can do some further reading on this. There is evidence to suggest that plants can 
that tree specifically can transfer carbon and other nutrients and mineral, minerals to other surrounding trees through the underground root network. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we, we know we can we can see things from that point of view that uh, nutrients can be exchanged between plants, uh, trees, and fungi, but we can also see the other chemicals being released into the soils, which suppress the, the growth of um, other uh, microorganisms, so effectively antibiotics, and also then suppress the growth of other plants in the surrounding area, so that we're able, they're able to do that. They also have also been shown to produce other chemicals, which help promote the growth of young seedlings as well, of the same uh, species, which is quite interesting. And I think, Alex, that you know, your your objection may be linked to the fact, you know, how this information can be transferred, you know, in a very dilute fashion from one plant to a plant that is quite far away. Is that is that right? Yeah, and also just in the sense of how do we really measure these kind of phenomena? How do we have the techniques available to be able to say this plant is chemically signaling another plant who picks up on that chemical signal and responds in some way? You know, maybe that's another signal. Maybe that's you know does something to itself that prevents a predator or something like that. Yeah. So I think I think there are a few questions in there. So let's 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 just you know go through them um, one by one. So I think one is that what is the relevance of these studies that have shown communication because they were quite typically done in a in a contained environment laboratory. And I think you're asking what is the relevance of this, you know, if you're talking about a forest a, a few kilometers away, right? Or even, uh, say, for example, you have a laboratory plant that's a young sapling that may behave very differently to more established trees yep. in a forest environment. And there are studies, again, we'll reference this, that look at trees in forests where they do isotopic labeling with carbon-13 and they look at how that then gets distributed to other trees within the forest. So that's something that's interesting to me yeah. in terms of the underground soil. Because these signals, if, they're, if they are just going through the soil, those are going to get um, attenuated and broken down uh, by other microorganisms, for example, in the soil, and even just soil conditions. And in the air, you're talking about over a longer distance, you're talking about very low concentrations. So it's how do these things, uh, compounds at very low concentrations, have a physiological effects on other trees and plants? I agree that if you're looking at a single leaf or a single branch, you probably are getting a very low concentration of the compounds being emitted. When you look at a forest as a whole, I would imagine the concentration is significantly higher. Mm -hmm. So you can probably detect them in that sense. It's just a case of, do we have techniques that are sensitive enough to be able to detect uh, you know, and insects, are, you know, you were talking about the moth earlier. Yes, so, so I think, again, I think there are two elements to this. So yes, I think, you know, the, the nature will have means to uh, act upon this information. So when we look at single molecule communication, you will very often have literally a single molecule of it reaching its receptor. These receptors are typically, not always, but typically G-protein coupled receptors, which have the ways of amplifying signal thousands fold. So they will have cascades of signaling inside a cell, which will reach signals, strength of signals sufficient enough to trigger tissues around to respond to this appropriately to the single molecule of, of, of information. Um, I think the other question is whether we can test uh, these chemicals at the same levels. And sometimes we can, sometimes we cannot. 
Um, the moths that you mentioned, you know, moths can detect single molecules of pheromones from quite a distance. And that's why I have these, these massive antennae. They look like bushy ears, almost really magnificent, large uh, antennae, just for the single purpose of detecting this pheromone. So plants are not too dissimilar in a sense because they can respond to these molecules Alan mentioned earlier that um, can be wafting away across the forest. So effectively put this, say some practical um, examples would be a caterpillar eating a leaf and chemicals are released from that, uh, from the damaged tissue and um, it released, it's released up into the air and sometimes it has been shown that a specific predator of that caterpillar will arrive within an hour to um, to eat that uh, caterpillar. So they've done some studies, you know, from that approach. Then also that um, adjacent plants have been shown to produce um, toxic compounds, which then will um, you know are going to not be too nice to eat for these other insects or other pests. So they have not been directly exposed to the insects or the caterpillar. They have in some way got information that another plant in its vicinity has been attacked and that has induced some kind of a stress or a, a response in, an, in, another, uh, in another adjacent plant. So that's, you know, that's a, you know, an aspect of communication that you can see. And, for anything that is, is done, they're always you, you want to see what, why why do it, what's the benefit uh, to it. So we can see for some of these situations, we can see a real benefit uh, to it. And these uh, plant and fungal associations, um, they're well known about. We know about them because there's an important aspect to do with um, cultivating plants and producing crops so that we know that if we have these associations we can uh, get higher crop yields so we can take something out of this these these types of studies as an actual application um, I suppose also the amount of uh, chemicals that we know that we can get from plants that would be can we exploit these uh, responses to pests um, and also to do with them, how can we use things to improve growth or crop yields? That would be the angle that we would take things. So I guess the main, well, the question in my in my mind is, at this point in time, are we able scientifically to determine the mechanism by which plants can chemically signal other plants to indicate predators or pests or? I think we can. I think we can. You know, while some of these methods may not be sensitive enough, um, they seem to they seem to work in principle for some plants um, that they can communicate with one another. And um, it may well be that we just need to improve our detection a little bit mm -hmm. to find new ways of mass spectroscopy or you know new ways of gas chromatography. You know, to detect these tiny, minute um, amounts of, of 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 information carriers, because uh, pl plants whether it's in the air, whether it's in the soil, they're producing a wide range, a broad spectrum of different uh, volatile organic compounds and other chemicals into the soil. So we've got quite a large um, set or data set to deal with, and it's working out which of these particular 
um, elements are the ones that may be having this uh, effect. And it may not just be one, it may be a number of them combined. Well, in order to be able to um, exploit these kind of chemical signals to improve crop yields and to um, potentially act as a pesticide, like an, a more natural pesticide that the plant already has in place, we kind of need to improve the techniques that we're using in order to be able to detect all these things. Again, this whole area is really something that's only um, gained some momentum in the last 15, 20 years. Um, you know, when we have seen a few films, for example, that have um, brought in this particular uh, topic. Um, we all know that you want to talk about the films. Yeah, there's one of the <laughs> there's one of these films that's it's arguably not a particularly good film. It's called The Happening. And Alan is about to ruin the plot for anybody who hasn't seen The Happening. So this may be a good time to stop listening if you're intending on watching it. Or it may be a good way to save two hours of your life. <laughs> so it's basically in this the plot of this the film The Happening is that trees are producing a neurotoxin that uh, kills humans. So initially in the film people think there's some kind of bioterrorist attack and people are people are dying but it turns out in the end of it that the trees are sending a warning uh, to humankind really to look after the planet protect their environment and it's the trees are seeing us as a, as a pest essentially and they're having one of these responses and this is how they're dealing with the pest so it's not a great film, but it does it does tie into this topic. Um, and I think that's probably all we've got time for this week. So our question this week was, the wood wide web, do trees, plants and fungi have a social network? And I think the answer to this is probably yes, they do. Yeah, I would say so. I would agree as well. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Andor Technology Podcast. Andor is an Oxford Instruments business, specialising in the design and manufacture of market-leading imaging and spectroscopy solutions for the scientific research market. For more information on our products and services, please visit andor.com.